Thank you to the worship team. Wasn't that nice? Yeah, it, it really, we're lucky, I think. We're very blessed. It's going to be great here. So thank you for coming today. We're going to start today with a word of thanks because it, 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 it's, we need to be thankful today, don't you think? <laughs> Do you like this space? Isn't it beautiful? Have you been downstairs? That's a fun, fun cave, right? I mean, it's just hard to get up here, right? I was talking with our parents, and uh, uh, the parent who came up said, well, today it was my turn to come up to the service, and my spouse was down. They were turned to be downstairs with the kids, and I thought I was the lucky one. But now, <laughs> so, so I just want to like acknowledge the people uh, that made this space possible. So the first person, uh, Anthony Mariani. Can you just stand up for just a second? I, we, I cannot thank him enough. I, I mean, it just, he, from the beginning to the end, it's just been amazing. He has, uh, he led the negotiations. He uh, talked to the owner. And uh, every single uh, instance of tricky, difficult negotiations, Anthony was there to get us through the hump. And um, I, I just can't say enough thanks. I, I mean, it's just... And he brought all these contractors together and like made it all so nice. I've never seen anything like that in New York City. It's just like, I mean, to get a kitchen or a bathroom sink fixed around here, it could take six months. He just did it all in like weeks. It's just unbelievable. Just getting all the permits and all the, just, it's miraculous. Thank you, Anthony. And, and Kevin, he, he worked truly tirelessly. Like, like every day until like 9.30 p.m. Like he's been here. It, it, you, I cannot tell you. This, you know, this beautiful, it doesn't just happen, you know. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much. And Amelia too, she's not up here. But she's been amazing. And, and seriously, we, 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 we lost three pastors recently due to their own family health crisis. And we're down to three of us. And, you know, it's supposed to be all part-time. But, I mean, it's just been unbelievable. Like how much hours that people have put in to make this work. This church means a lot. You know, this is not just a job. This is like a labor of love here. So... We're all benefiting from it. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank the board. The board has been through just unbelievable amount of stuff through the pandemic, through all the pastors and transitions. And I'm telling you, just many, many extraordinary meetings and hours just trying to get through it all. So thank you for everyone. And all of you, thank you for supporting and being here on the first day to celebrate with us, 
thank you, and we want to thank God for all making it all happen. So I just want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. My iPhone is uh, alarm is going off because you know it it was set for the Zoom service and now it's just going off. Mike, do you mind like it's in my uh, jacket? It's in my jacket and the alarm's going off and just yeah, it's just yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Still getting adjusted to the new. Uh, All right, shall we just say, uh, let me just say, let's just all bow our heads and pray for Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for getting us through the pandemic, keeping us alive, and getting us here in this beautiful space. It gives us hope, God, that better days are ahead, that we can see each other, we can interact with each other, we can pray and worship together. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day in this beautiful space that we can be together and worship. Our hearts overflow with thanksgiving, and we pray that in the coming days, your presence would bless us and that we would be able to live our lives uh, to the fullest that you want us to live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right, so today... As we begin our new era at this space, I wanted to talk about <clears throat> why faith is worth going after, and you know, why we do church. Well, why, why did all, all these people put in so much effort to make this happen? You know, what's the reason that brings us together? And obviously, the answer is God, and our faith. But you know, different churches have different answers for why they exist, right? Many churches talk about wealth and success and prosperity, that that's why you should pursue faith, right? You know about those. I mean, if you turn on the TV and look at all these, you know, big churches, most of them are talking about, you know, Come to our church and have faith because that will make you successful, right? It will give you money and stuff like that. That that message has become so popular that even many mainstream churches have incorporated elements of that in their messages. It's a big reason for many churches. Other churches offer the reason that it's the truth. Reasons for faith, right? Like this is this is the rational thing to do. Like if you, if you really sit back and think about different things rationally, then there must be a creator and here are the reasons why you should pursue faith. Some churches offer reason and truth. And yet others talk about salvation. You know, like everybody dies. What happens after death? You know, heaven and hell you should pursue faith because you don't want to go to hell, right? And that was the main reason for the church for thousands of years uh, throughout the medieval ages, right? Like Pascal's wager. Have you heard of that? Pascal was one of the greatest uh, minds who ever lived. And uh, he offered this, uh, this wager. He said, uh, <clears throat> if indeed there is, I mean, nobody knows for sure, but if there is heaven and hell, 
and you make the wrong choice, well, I mean, <laughs> that's really bad, right? That's an infinite cost. That's a horrible risk you are taking. But if there is no heaven and hell, and, and you had faith, and, and you lived life according to faith, well, I mean, what have you got to lose? Not much, right? So from the risk-reward perspective, which is the language that I like as an economist, <laughs> and, you know, Wall Street people like risk and reward, right? From risk-reward perspective, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You should, you should pursue faith because, you know, infinite cost, not much cost. Well, Pascal actually had very powerful personal spiritual experiences of God. But he didn't talk about that very much at all because he lived in during the age of reason, right? So he offered this, this rational argument uh, for what he already believed in as a personal experience. But anyway, that's, uh, that was one reason. Uh, these are all interesting reasons to pursue faith. But for us at the river, we have our own unique take. And that is, I am here and we are here to experience together the faith that can make our life come alive, fully alive, uh, life in all its fullness. That's what Jesus came to give, he said. And, and there was an old saint, Saint Arrhenius, who said the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Don't you like that saying? I like that saying. It speaks to me. And, and it's attractive, and it's actually been my experience that God has been there when I was down, when I had my dark moments. God was there. To lift me up um, is not to say that I had a troubled life, you know, but like every human being, I had my dark moments, right? Have you had dark moments when it all seems hopeless and it all seems bad and, right? God was really, really helpful. And lift me, lifting me up. There are many, many stories I could talk about. But for today, I want to just talk about the time when I was in Hawaii with a back trouble. And many of you have heard this story before, but it's sort of our, it's sort of the origin story for our church because it, that's the story that set me off into this career as a pastor. Um, which was not expected. My parents were just so out outraged by my choice. <laughs> just a very unusual choice, you know, for me at least. And, and, and so I want to tell it because today is a historic day and just want to talk about the origin story. So th about 30 years ago, I was pursuing PhD at MIT in economics. And I thought my life was set. But during spring break, I had a skiing accident. And it busted up my disc. And so that left me with a chronic pain that made me unable to sit, stand, or walk for any length of time. And, and the doctors at MIT, they said, you know what? Um, we don't want to operate because there's like a 50-50 chance that it could get worse. And so we recommend getting away from this place 
MIT because it's a very stressful place. <laughs> you know, go to a place like Hawaii. I think the guy was joking, but I actually, uh, you know, that was what the doctor literally said. You know, you should go to a place like Hawaii. You know, and rehab, relax. I had a friend there, so I ended up living in his living room for about a year. And at first, I was pretty happy, right? Sounds good, right? MIT, Hawaii, what, what would you prefer, right? But then after six months, I didn't get better. I was in constant pain. I couldn't sit, stand, walk. I just thought, my life is over. I'm an invalid at the age of, in my 20s. What can I do with my life? It was very depressing, very dark, you know. And, and there are these moments that will come to every human being when you feel stuck on the floor and you can't get up. And no matter what you try, no matter how hard you try, there are problems in life that just doesn't seem to just get better. And you don't know what to do. You tried everything. And nothing seems to be working. These are dark times, isn't it? It can really break your spirit. Well, I had a lot of time on my hands, so I did a lot of interactive prayer uh, where I, you know, just pray and chat with God and just, you know, do that sort of thing. And one of those times I felt a truly serious sense of presence of God. This is kind of rare for me, like about four or five times in my life where you just know God is especially present. Just powerful presence of God. And I felt God asking me, what would you like to do with your life? As if I could do anything. You know, whatever, sky's the limit. And here I was like, well, is there anything I can do with my life? If you can't sit, stand, or walk, what, what, what choice do I have, right? And I felt like, well, God sounds serious. Like anything, wow. So I thought back and I thought, well, the happiest moments of my life were when I saw God changing people's lives for the better. Like someone's addicted, but God, through prayer, really changes their life. Someone's in big trouble. Someone has relational trouble, and God really helps them. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those, those were really happy times for me. So I said, I want to be part of a movement of God where you change people's lives, and I get to be part of that. I would like that. And God said, okay, you do that. I felt a very strong sense. Okay, you do that. And two things came out of that. You know, one is, when I got back to MIT, uh, the alarm's going off again. <laughs> I think. But anyway, if it doesn't bother anyone, it's okay. But So... Well, let's see what happens. <laughs> but anyway, so I got back and we, we planted a church. There were seven of us and grew to like a thousand people in like under seven years. And it's in an area where no church has grown in like 100 years. Because it's the home of Harvard and MIT, right? It's the home of rational, intellectual, secular world. Uh, it was the movement away from faith into, you know, secular, that's the home. So, but we had a tremendous success. It was incredible. And it's out of that church that this church was born. 
And so that's how this origin story all comes together. And then I also made $43 million in uh, trading stocks from the floor in like a year. That doesn't happen every day, right? I, I mean, that's crazy, right? So I thought, you know what? That time when I felt like God said, you know, go ahead and do that, like that God moment, maybe that was something. <laughs> maybe that was more than just me imagining God, right? You could think you're just talking to yourself, like when you pray and you feel like you're talking to God. Well, what is the difference between talking to God and talking to yourself? It's hard to tell, right? So you could have those doubts, but hey, maybe that was something. I think you can tell from the results of your prayer. Like if something extraordinary happens, like, like before anything happens, you don't know. But afterwards, you can kind of see, wow, that was a turning point in my life. And so there must have been something going on there, right? And so I thought, wow, this is incredible. So if you're willing to take a leap of faith and just go along with this process of you know, active prayer and take God seriously, interesting things can happen. Right? This is not to say that everyone who prays, all your problems will go away, you'll win the mega jackpot. And you'll never have to worry. No, God is not a magic genie, right? doesn't work like that. In fact, I lost much of what I made during the dot-com bust. And, and trust me, I prayed again and again and again to like, have that kind of success again. And that's been hard to come around. And so I, I don't think that was like, that was more like a one-time deal, it feels like. <laughs> That it's not like a vending machine, you know, you press the right button and pop comes, you know. It doesn't work like that, but it's also true that the Bible tells us that God speaks to us through many channels all the time. So it's worth paying attention to what God is saying because it doesn't have to be this spectacular things. There can be many other instances where if you turn to God, something happens in your heart and lifts you up. Like even in small ways, like you become a little more grateful, you become a little more kind, you get a little more perspective. And these moments can really turn your life around. Right? Can I hear amen? Amen, amen right? You guys have had experiences like that? Any of you? Right? How many of you have had? God can help you. God can help you. And the good news is, all this is offered by God unconditionally. We're con we're, we are, we're trained to think, well, you know, we have to like meet certain conditions to get this kind of blessings from God. No. It's unconditional. The only condition is to accept the unconditional part. <laughs> and that's hard. It's not easy. This is the unique message of the cross and hardest part about having faith. Most people, especially the religious people, stumble over this because we are wired to think we have to attach conditions because that gives you control. If you can attach conditions, like if you pray three hours a day or if you are like baptized in the right church, or, then it gives you control, right? We like that. And so we are, we are wired for that kind of thing. But the truth is, 
God's love is unconditional. The Bible tells us, religious people demand signs and secular world looks for reason and wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the religious and foolishness to the secular world. But to those whom God has called, both the religious and secular, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Great passage. Provocative passage. Why is faith in Jesus a stumbling block to the religious? Religious people demand signs, the passage says. What does that mean? It means the religious people want concrete evidence, right? Miraculous signs or demonstrably righteous life, something you can see. Signs, you know, like health and wealth coming from prayer, things like that. And this is why the religious people cannot accept the unconditionality of the gospel. You know, there's always conditions. Like you have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at such and such a date. You have to be able to remember that or you're not saved. You guys familiar with that? That was a very popular line during my day. You know, some condition. It goes on and on and on. And this is the essence of the religion. Meet the conditions. Follow our rules. And then you will be blessed. Follow me because I'm the guru who can tell you what to do. You know, that's very popular. But that's not true. That's not true faith in Jesus. You know, the reality is these conditions keep changing throughout history. Have you ever noticed that? 2,000 years ago, it was the circumcision. That was the big deal. 50 years ago, it was the divorce and alcohol. Today, it's about heterosexual normative purity, I guess. But even that seems to be really... Like, I'm really confused these days because the, the biggest champion, the, the religious people, they love Trump. Trump has become the biggest champion of the religious people. And it's like, wait a minute, that guy is like, what? He's paying off porn stars. He's divorced how many times? He's slept with how many women? Like, focus on the family. What, what happened to you? Right? You are lifting up Trump as your champion? How, how does that compute? Right? It's really confusing, don't you think? I think it's really confusing to everyone these days. What are the religious people really going for? I can't really tell you these days what it is, actually. <laughs> Completely confusing. It's always been that way because it always changes. It's just so evident these days because we're witnessing the change right in front of us. But it's always been that way. Conditions always change, and they fight over these conditions all the time. But to be religious, you have to have conditions. It's the essence of that. That's why the cross, the unconditionality of it is a stumbling block to the religious. And the secular world thinks faith is irrational and stupid, right? <clears throat> Well, here at the river, we're into reason and science. I mean, after all, I went to MIT, right? I, I'm really into reason. Reason is great. I love reason and science. But faith and reason doesn't have to be at odds. They really don't. In fact, if you can accept and believe that you are worthy of God's unconditional love, no matter what, 
it will bring tremendous mental and emotional and relational health to your life. I think therapists among us would agree with me. It's kind of, you know, over the years I've taken quite a bit of therapy, and it seems like the goal of therapy is this, is to, to enable people to, to, you know, healthily accept oneself, you know? So it's a good goal that every human being can accept as good news and a good thing for every human being to pursue and have. So we preach the gospel here that is unconditionally good news to everyone, whether you are secular, whether you are religious, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever you are, whoever you are, this is good news. That's attractive. That's why this church is worth having. That's why this church is worth putting investment in. Amen? Amen. 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 So some practical suggestions here. One, keep coming. <laughs> right? Don't just say, this is the historic thing. <laughs> well, I just want to check out what it is on the first day, you know. Let's just see what it is like. Well, don't you like what's here, right? Beautiful, yes? Basement, wonderful, right? I mean, after the service, I'm sure you guys are dying to check it out, right? There's foosball table there. There is, I think, uh, you know, there are ping pong table. There is uh, Galaga. I used to play Galaga like for hours every day when I was like 14 years old. So brings back a lot of memory. So keep coming because we really need to keep coming because the world, the world seems to be out to get us. <laughs> What I mean by that is the world keeps putting us down. Like it's so easy to feel like a loser when you go out there. It's so easy to have this inner voice that says you're not doing enough, you're not enough, you're lo a loser, you're making a mistake, you're missing something. It just keeps putting you down. Have you ever noticed that? The world categorizes and ranks you, and it's so easy to feel down. So we need to keep coming and encourage each other to remind each other the faith that we have all signed up to says you are not a loser. You are someone that God incarnate died for. My God, that's, that's worth something, Right? And we need to remind each other and be reminded, God loves you. God is on your side. That's why God keeps talking to you. Don't be so down. There is hope. Always hope. So let's just keep coming so that we can remind each other of this. Fight the good fight of faith. So keep turning to God to get your heart lifted up. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to lift us up. So let's take advantage of that. And please help out. This is my selfish request. But we need volunteers because, you know, if you, like, I know this very well. If you just sit around and lie around and don't use your muscle, like within six weeks, you will lose all kinds of muscle mass. It will be very bad. Um, 
we as a church, as a Madden person, for how long now? Year and a half? The Zoom was easy, man. I had, I had a teleprompter right here. You know, I just had to like, Zoom was easy. Now to meet together is a whole another thing. We need volunteers. We don't have to do take down and set up anymore. Woohoo! So all of you who are in that team, you know, we got we got jobs for you, okay? We need like sound team, we need host team, we need River Kids. You know, Amelia has been holding it down by herself for so long and I'm just so grateful to her. She's been amazing. But you know, River Kids need a lot of volunteers, right? Because even if you have just only two kids per age group, you need the same amount of volunteers. <laughs> and so, and there are a lot of kids. I mean, today it was like, oh my gosh, like, the kids just keep coming in, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so please think about volunteering with River Kids or any other teams because we need you to keep this church happening. Uh, by January, I think all these restrictions will loosen and we could really be, I mean, already kind of, we are at capacity given the uh, restrictions. So we're thinking probably going to get a lot more people coming eventually and, and we need volunteers. So could you help out? It's worth it. We can't pay God back. God has done so much for us, but you can't do anything for God. But we can help other people experience what we experienced. And if we are really hanging our hats on belief that God loves us, then we need to be loving to others. Right? It's only right. So let's do that. Sounds good? All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this wonderful day. And thank you for everyone who has helped us so much to make this all happen. And we thank you for the ability to worship together and be together and live our lives together in faith that we are not alone. That this world is not just dog-eat-dog -dog world, but love is what this world is about that we are all about living this together in love. Thank you for that. Thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.